what is this thing called the virgin birth about? The virgin birth. It's a major doctrine of Scripture. I'm getting uh, Thomas Sweat ready for his ordination. And today we spent about two hours quizzing and going back and forth and you know, just talking about it and demonstrating it. So what is this thing about the virgin birth? You've heard of it. Most of you have been in school or if you've been in school or studied the Bible much, you know that the virgin birth is a serious, major, foundational doctrine of scriptures, not just a fringe doctrine or so one of those out there that maybe you may disagree with people on or can agree to disagree. This is something you can't really agree to disagree on. This is something taught going back as far as we know the first century, and I'll give you some of that information there. Liberals have always disputed the birth, uh, what happened around the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the Gospels say about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if uh, they, they deny that he was virgin born, uh, which by the way, it, and I believe Jesus was virgin born, but that makes him unique, don't you think? Yeah, it does. Yeah, does it make him only begotten? For God so loved the world, he gave his... That means unique. Nobody else like... There's no... There was only one person that became the God-man. He, when asked Peter in Matthew 16, Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's only one of them. Only one of them. Muhammad was not one. Uh, no Shinto priest ever was one. No other, Mohammed, no other Indian a Hindu was one. There's only one Son of God. And uniquely born. So he was virgin born, which is supernatural. The Bible just states it as a fact. doesn't try to really prove it. Tonight I'm going to go into some reasoning for it. Um, but where does that go back to is in Isaiah. If you got your Bible, you may want to refer to this, you may not. To Isaiah, let me write it up here for you. All right? Let me write a few things. I'm going, I'm going old-fashioned. This is uh, Normally I do the TVs and stuff. I'm going to switch up on you. A little switch up, you say. I'm sure glad we have TVs because I don't like the old-fashioned way. Well... This is the old way your teacher taught you how to read and write was on a chalkboard. Isaiah 7.14 says, Wherefore, as, <laughs> says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Give you a what? A sign. A sign. A, so a sign is something abnormal. Uh, an omen. Something out of pocket. Something different. A sign. When you see it, you'll know it's not coincidence. You'll know that this is it that I was talking about when I gave you this sign. Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Some things in there that right away raise your eyebrows. A virgin shall conceive. Now, virgins conceive all the time. That would not be a sign. Virgins conceive all the time, right? They get married, virgin. Virgins get married. They get, and after they get married a while, they conceive and they have children. That's not a sign. That happens all the time, everywhere, all over the world. So this must be something different than just a virgin conceiving in a normal way. Something different is at least intimated there. 
Um, I believe there's a necessity for Jesus to be born of a virgin. Now, what I mean by born of a virgin is, of course, what, uh, let's see, why don't, you, why don't we have Brother Jeffrey Larson, by the way, glad to have you home, Jeffrey, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, 23. Isaiah 7, 14 is there, Old Testament passage, about 700 years before the fact that that, that alone that alone's big. You can't predict something's going to happen tomorrow, or next week. We couldn't even we couldn't even predict the election. And yet Isaiah writes something almost seven hundred years before the happening, very with a lot of specificity. A lot of specificity, as we'll talk about. Okay. Louder. That's interesting because Isaiah 7 14 says he should be called, his name should be called Emmanuel, but does not interpret it. So the best way to find out what scripture means is by other scripture. So if I don't have to leave the Bible and I can take the Bible interpreting itself, that, that's that's rock solid. That's foundational solid. That's not a Baptist interpretation of Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian. That's not some some scholar. That is the, and that's a book for everybody to see. That's the way it is. So it said that his name would be called Emmanuel, but in the New Testament, and that's what he's quoting there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, 23, he's going back to Isaiah 7, 14, and he's saying his name should be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I looked it up this afternoon. The word means, is the word in Greek, theos. Most of you know that's a word for God. So it's God with us, theos with us, the deity of Christ. Is ironclad from one end of the Bible to the other. It's ironclad. The Jehovah's Witness is going to want to try to tell you that the deity of Christ is a fictional doctrine, man-made doctrine, contrived doctrine, uh, but it is not. It's everywhere. It screams out everywhere. I just was reading this afternoon. I read Colossians a couple times, and it said by him were all things created. Nothing was made. He didn't make it. Whoa, that sounds like God to me because the Bible says in Genesis 1-1 in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Oh. So if you just put all that together, interpret Bible, interpret Bible, we're going to say Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, uh, was a creator of all that is, and by him he spoke everything that ever, ever will be, ever has been, or ever has been, he spoke into existence. No wonder the demons ran up to him and fell down on the ground and said, we know who you are. What are you doing here? Are you here to torment us before the time? Oh, please don't send us into the abyss. So send us into them, send us into them hogs over there. They were, one thing you learn by the, the encounters in the, in the New Testament of demons and Jesus is they were in submission to him. They were in submission to nobody else. They were in submission to him, and they were fearful of the coming consequences that he was he was going to put upon them. Because someday he will cast them into the lake of fire. They knew what was coming. 
and they have uh, feared him. So his deity is just everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, let's see. Uh, Brother Jeffrey, now I might be a little hard on you, but I expect a lot. Stand up and speak out, brother, unless, unless you're in pain. 1 Peter 2.22, 1 John 3.5. Miss Miley, remember that. 1 John 3.5. Tell him to do that after, because he can't remember two of them in a row. But anyways, uh, 1 Peter 2.22. Okay, speaking of Jesus, who did well, how much sin did he do? No sin, right? No guile in his mouth. Okay, how about 1 John 3.5? Okay, pretty straightforward, right? 2 Corinthians 5.21. There are many other references like that. I just wanted to give you a taste of it to tell you I'm not making this up, okay? Jesus Christ is portrayed in the New Testament in the Bible as a sinless Son of God who did no sin. Uh, and he, when He died on the cross, He did not die for His sins. Not one time does it say that. But many times it says, who died for our sins. He died for your sin. Our, he didn't have to die for His sins. There were no sins. And so he had. He did die for our sins. So, you say, what in the world has this got to do with the virgin birth? We're going there. We're going there. You know, the Bible has a phrase called son of man, son of God. Year for years, I was confused by that. Son of man. Can anybody see this one? Okay, good. It's a language idiom. In essence, what it means is, Son of Man means representative of man. Jesus was called the Son of Man. One of favorite name, by the way, for him is called the Son of Man. He was representative of man. You know, Adam represented us to sin, to death, to destruction, eventual hell if you don't get saved, right? Christ represents us to God. Uh, Christ reconciled God to us and us to God. Whereas Adam, so so if you're still, if Adam is still your father, you're going to go where that Adam, not Adam, I believe Adam got saved, now don't get me wrong, but where, where the sin will take you. Your inheritance, which is a sinful nature, which is sin. Not only do we sin, but we have a sinful nature. You know what I'm saying? Even if you didn't say, well, you, you still have a sinful nature, and so, we, there's nobody from the first Adam ever going to go to heaven without going through the Bible calls the last Adam, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So as Adam represented you to death, so Christ will represent you to life. That's pretty well discussed in Romans chapter 5. Pretty, pretty carefully discussed. He's considered the son of man, the representative of man. But over and over in the Bible, he's considered the son of God. Now I Joe, talked to Joe Witness one time and he said, not one place in the Bible is Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God. That's just wrong. 
But I can tell you, it's, and this is a complete list here. Uh, the, the devils referred to him as the Son of God. Um, the centurion at the cross said, truly this man was the Son of God, representative of God. Uh, the demons referred to Jesus as the Son of God. The angel that came to Mary to tell her what was going to happen referred to this uh, one that was to be born through her as the Son of God. Uh, Martha, at John 11, when she came out to meet Jesus, she acknowledges that he is the Christ, the Son of God. The Ethiopian eunuch, when Philip was talking to him, and he says, uh, I, I want, what's preventing me from being baptized? And nothing preventing you to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And on and on in other places, and I don't need to go any further because that's enough. One or two is plenty. But So the Son of God is important. These two titles are important. He represents us uh, as the Son of Man. And he represents God as the Son of God. So he can reconcile us to God and God to us. All in one person. Who took upon him the form of a servant, was made in likeness, man, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's called theologically incarnation. The incarnation. God becoming man so that he could represent us to God, he could, he could die for us, take all that, all that sin that accumulated and take it upon himself and pay for it justly and honestly. See, God will not do anything that's not just. All sin had to be paid for. If that wasn't so, God would be an unjust judge. He'd be like the devil. But he had to, sin had to be paid for. Every cuss word, every vile thing that anybody's ever thought or done had to be paid for with a just recompense. Christ did that. And now because he did that, now he can offer salvation as a free gift. And because he paid for it, you can. People say, why is it that you Baptists are so big on not being saved by works? Because it insults what Christ did. Christ paid for my sins. He died for my sins. He is a propitiation for my sins and not for mine only, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 John chapter 2. And if I don't believe that, i just got to be denying what the book says. It was big enough. It was enough. The blood of Christ was enough. When he said it was finished, it, the transaction was done. The purchase had been made. Whosoever now believes in him, repentance and faith, is saved. Amen. Some places it says whosoever believes in him. Some places it says whosoever repents. It's a one side, it's one coin, two sides. Repentance is not a work, it is a change of mind. Faith is not a work, it is a, a, a change of mind, really. It's a change of mind from unbelief to belief. Okay? It's not works. But repentance and faith. Biblically, is represented as what's required to be saved. Repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. Do you tonight believe that Jesus died for your sins, was a representative that was sent to take away your sins, and you in childlike faith, you say, well, I don't, oh, I don't have a whole lot of faith. Well, it don't take a lot of faith to get saved. It don't take a lot of faith. It takes enough faith to touch God and to say, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. So I say all of this so far because I'm leading up to uh, what the virgin birth is all about and, and 
why it's important we had the virgin birth. Read Jeremiah chapter 22 of, of Jeffrey Larson, verse 29 and 30. Now, don't do it yet. I told you I was going to be hard on you. Now, just trust, man. It's talking about a king of Israel, king of actually Judah, named Jeconiah. Jeconiah was part of the Davidic lineage to the kingdom, the king. Remember when God told David, through you, I'm going to have, there will always be a son of David sitting on the throne. Of course, eventually, going all the way up to Jesus was part of that Jesus was of the son of David. This promise, God keeps these promises. Well, this Jeconiah, he was, uh, you know, the devil's tried to destroy, let me go back. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, you know, the fall happens. The serpent's cursed to crawl on his belly and et cetera, and and uh, God tells the God tells the woman. He says, uh, "Your seed is going to crush the serpent's head." His and the little ears of that serpent went like this. You notice I didn't do this here. I'm getting ready for it to go. What? How do you kill a snake? You don't grab its tail. You, you got to cut its head off. And even crushing it's better. I know you like that, brother. Uh, so he said, I believe the devil lifted his ears up if he had them. And he listened to that and going, crushed the head. Her seat, her, he's, no, he's no fool. From that point on, he tried to destroy the line. He had Cain kill Abel. Oh, that'll do it. Because when you kill Abel, then you only got Cain, and it's a polluted line. How's God going to go around that? Then you had the angels in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, maybe 4 or 5. The angels came into the women of men and tried to, I believe, defile the lineage of, of man, the DNA pool and the lineage that was being set up here for the Christ to come, the seed of the woman. Oh, that wasn't in him. Then he had, then he had the people of the pre-flood get so wicked, so vile, that even God himself said, I'm sorry I even made them. I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth. Oh, but I'm going to save eight people. Well, he saved of those eight people. I believe there were four women, and the, and the and the Satan goes, "Ooh, I got close. I got down to four women. If I can get rid of that last woman, I'm free, because it's the seed of woman, not of man. There's something big there. Early, 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 early on revealed. It was going to be the seed of woman." that was going to destroy the, the serpent. Do you agree with that? Okay. Because that has something to do with the virgin birth. So he began to try to pollute the line, get them to pollute the line, get them to sin so much that God would, would cut it off somehow. But you know what? You can't outsmart God. There's no power against God. There's no weapon formed against God. There, Satan being made of God, how foolish it is to think you can outthink the one that made you. But that's what he thinks. That's it. By the way, pride does that. Pride will make you think stupid stuff. And, and the sin of Satan, by the way, is pride. 
lifted up. He was lifted up with himself, with his beauty, with his intelligence, with his ability. I can do this. I can be like the most high. No, no, no. But he's given it a shot. And so we see in I was seeing Isaiah. Oh, go ahead. I'm go ahead, Jeffrey. Would you please read those two verses? That was real bad. That was real bad because Jeconiah's seed was the lineage of Christ. I got him. He cursed Jeconiah. Jeconiah was a bad guy. He's so bad that God said, you're so bad, not, a, not any of your seed are set upon the throne of David. That's the king. That's the kingdom. I'm just going to abbreviate, okay? Except for Luke. I mean, I'm not going to Luke 3, Matthew 1. We have two genealogies. Most of you, some of you say, I hate those genealogies. Well, boy, some of them are, but some of them are, you can't pronounce the names. But the genealogy is important here. In, in uh, Matthew's genealogy comes down to Joseph. This is the, this is the, uh, legal genealogy of Christ. The legal genealogy of Christ. Because this genealogy comes from Solomon, David, Solomon, and Rehoboam, and then goes on down to Jeconiah. This was the lineage through Joseph, of Christ, through Joseph, to Christ. Okay, get that. Now Luke here uh, is, uh, is the lineage uh, that comes down to the son of Heli. If you look at this closely, and I'm just not, not going to do that for you tonight, but if you look at it closely, read some commentaries on it, you'll, be, you'll explain it. The it comes down and mentions Joseph, which is the son of Heli. The idiom is son-in-law. Because this, this genealogy is Mary's genealogy. This is Mary's genealogy. Though it mentions Joseph as the son of Heli, which is the son-in-law of Heli, which was, guess what, her daddy, so. So what we see over here is, this is the legal over here. We have the physical. So over in Matthew, you see the legal line coming down from David, uh, Solomon, Rehoboam. In Luke, it comes from David, Solomon, to Nathan. Nathan did not have the promise but he was part of the king. You with me? The, 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 line, the lineage of, of the king of David was to come this way legally. And it came this way. These both were sons of David. Nathan was the son of David. Rehoboam was the son of David. So these people, 
Mary was part of the lineage physically of King David. That's important to know that. She had King David genetics and promise. So did Joseph. But what happened? The angel said, uh, you're going to be, you're going to conceive as a virgin of the Holy Ghost and bear a son, you're going to call his name Jesus, who shall save his, the people from, your, from their sins. And she was no dummy. She was about 14, 15 year old girl. And she had been around. And farm girls, you don't have to explain them the facts of life. And she's seen a lot of babies born, real rural people, seen babies born, probably been at the birth of a few babies, you know, knew what was going to happen, all that. And he says, she's asked a common question. How can I have a baby without a man? That's like a duh. Nobody has ever in the history of the world had a baby without a man. It was an honest question. Always said, what's going to happen? What's going to be in you is going to be a holy seed of, the, of God, the Holy Spirit, going to come and birth. So, Jesus had the legal stamp of approval and fulfillment of the lineage of, of this, the King David coming down to the Messiah. He also had the body, he got his physical, which was also of the seed of King David, from Mary. This is the virgin birth. It also fulfilled the curse of Jeconiah. Jeconiah did not, none of Jeconiah's seed or children sat on the throne of David. It fulfilled that. And yet the same token, didn't undo the Christ that was to come. Is this making sense to you? It, it, it was like a two-in-one. It, it fulfilled God's word in Jeremiah 22, 29, 30. At the same time, it did not destroy the Messiah that was to come. But it did something bigger than that. It was bigger than the curse of Jeconiah that it overcame. It overcame the fact that the sin nature it's always been passed down. Men, I know you're not going to like this because you know I'm tough on the women. But the sin nature where your children did not come from your wife. It came from you. It's always attributed through the man all the way down. That's why so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. The evil nature of man comes, the evil nature comes through the man, not the woman. That doesn't mean women don't have an evil nature. We men know that. We know they do. That made Jesus the sinless Son of God from this side. He became, because his sin nature doesn't come down through the woman, he was still able to maintain this, and from her, he inherited the Son of Man. So for Mary, he's the Son of Man, 
and from the Holy Spirit is the Son of God. The incarnation of two to one. It says in Timothy, without, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, Theos, was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preaching to Gentiles, received up into glory. Obviously, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, let's go back to this lineage a little bit, because there's a lot to be learned from these, this, uh, this uh, genealogy. You look in the genealogy of Matthew, and you find four women mentioned. Now, that's highly unusual. My wife, in reading the genealogies of the Old Testament, one day came to me, and she says, you mean the women don't even get an honorable mention? She says, we do all the work. You know, we birth them, we feed them, we change the diapers. And I said, that's the way I like it. People ask me, how many diapers did you change? Maybe one, maybe two. That was her job. Don't let her talk into anything else. I said, when he's seven years old, he's mine. He's not yours anymore. Then you just leave him alone. From seven on, he's mine. But from up to seven, I really, you can have him. Now, you don't like that philosophy. It's fine. Have a different one. It worked for me. It worked for me. Separation of duties. So, there's four women mentioned. And... I hate to say this, two of those women in the lineage of Christ are Gentile. Rahab, the harlot. How would you like to have your last name? Harlot. And Ruth, the Moabites. Moabite people were bad people. Moabite people. We're talking about Balaam. Moabites, bad people. But God allowed... Ruth to be part of the lineage of Christ, a Moabitess. God allowed Rahab, a Gentile, to the harlot, to be part of the lineage of Christ. He also allowed <clears throat> another morally stained woman to be part of it. It's called Bathsheba. Her Bathsheba, unfaithful to her husband, an adulteress, but she's part of it. And another one, how about Tamar? These two were Jewesses. Tamar. Tamar uh, had relationships with her father-in-law. Now that's forbidden in the book of Leviticus. Penalty of that's death. Tamar, part of the lineage of Christ. What I like about that is it shows that God can use anybody if they'll repent. God can use anybody if they'll repent. People have told me, preacher, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how much wickedness I've done. You don't know where I've been. I said, I don't have to know anything you've done. Don't want to know anything you've done because I won't forget it. Don't tell me. Tell God. And Jesus died for your sins, all of them. He died for you before. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And when you, he said he'd forgive you, he knew how many sins he had to forgive before you even thought about it, right? So you go to him and you ask him to forgive you. He means, he means your past, present, and future sin. He'll forgive you, wash you white as snow. That's, that's why it's an atrocity 
once you've been forgiven such a great load of sin to ever go back into it. Oh, man. Man, don't do that. Don't go back into the world. Don't go back into what you've been saved from. God did you such a big favor. How dare we insult His grace by going back into the things that He saved us from. Oh, God forbid. God forbid. So, this kind of tells you a little bit. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. How could you know that? You can't know that. Nobody could know that. Nobody would have ever guessed this. As the liberals go nuts. Why do the liberals go nuts over this stuff? Supernatural. It actually is something that nothing could, it couldn't possibly happen unless God did it. And they just can't stand the fact that there is a God that is not impotent, but is potent and powerful and can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. And they just can't stand it. I, I did an interview, I said this over and over, did an interview with a Jewish rabbi one time, and he, he didn't believe anything in the Old Testament on the radio. It was live. It was an eight-second delay. Now, an eight-second delay is not much delay. So whatever you say in eight seconds is on the air. So he said, you don't really believe all the, the miracles of, of Jonah. I says, I don't understand you. Here you are, a Jew. Don't believe in the, don't believe in the miracles of the Old Testament. Here I am, a Gentile. My, my, my forefathers were, were probably a sun-worshiping, a moon-worshiping, animal-worshiping heathen. And here, my, my forefathers my forefathers were that. Your forefathers were, were followers of Jehovah God, revealed on the dispensation of angels. And yet, you don't believe the supernatural. And here I am. I believe every miracle in the Bible. In fact, your God is a little small God, and I got a big God. Eight-second delay. He let it go. He had a little button he could hit and kill it. But he didn't. He didn't. He let it go. I don't know whether he was stunned at what I said or whatever, what the deal was. Now, let me give you, let me give you, uh, you have your Bibles. I hope you have your Bibles. I can't write it up on here because I ate all my room up. Um, but I can verbally quit it, and, and I'll, I'll close out with this thing about, Oh, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The word virgin in Isaiah is interesting. There's two Hebrew words for virgin. Bethula, which means absolute virgin made unable to be like a 10-year-old girl. Is there a difference between a 10-year-old girl and a 14-year-old girl? Both of them are virgin. But what's the difference? One of them can bear children. The 10-year-old cannot. She's not ready yet. She's not developed to yet. She can't do it. But the 14-year-old, oh, they can develop. They can have children. But both of them can be virgins. It uses the word Alma. Alma is a word, nine times the word Alma. How do you find out a meaning of the word in the Bible? You go wherever else in the Bible it was, it was translated. Everywhere else in the Bible, that I, was, I, was, I looked them up today. I looked them all up. Everywhere else the word Alma was, was used, it, was, it meant a maiden which was a chaste virgin, but of marriageable age. 
This is how accurate the Bible is. It said, that, Behold, the virgin shall conceive, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall cause the name of Emmanuel. Down the road, 700 years, a virgin is going to conceive. Now, if it used the word Alma, it would have meant a virgin unable to conceive, too young to conceive. So it used the word, uh, excuse me, it used the word Beth, it would have used the word Bethula. I'm probably confusing that. It would have used the word Bethula if it was a virgin too young to conceive. It used the word Alma, which was a virgin. By the way, the liberal translations all translate that word. They don't translate that word virgin in Isaiah 7, 14. They translate it young woman. Now, in some degree, they're correct. It was a young woman. But they're incorrect because it doesn't, doesn't convey the meaning of where he's going in the text. It wasn't just a young woman. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. I'm going to give you a sign. This sign he's talking about is not just a young woman conceiving, like I said earlier. That would just be everyday stuff. But if a virgin that was a young woman of marriageable age conceived and bore a son without a man, that would be supernatural. And the seed that she bore would be Emmanuel, which would be interpreted. God with us. The accuracy of scriptures, the more I study it, I just stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Wow. You say, well, Brother Bill, how can we know that word Alma, what it means? Well, go to the New Testament where it's quoted. He read it in Matthew chapter 9, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It's, it, it says in verse 23, again in paraphrasing, similar to paraphrasing at least, it says a virgin. It uses the word parthenos. The word parthenos always, always means chaste woman, chaste maiden. So if you got any doubt about Alma, in the Old Testament, you can clear all that doubt up by going into the New Testament, and the word that they that they used in the New Testament to translate Alma from Hebrew to Greek, they use the Greek word Parthenos, which is always virgin. And if that's not enough proof, you can go to a thing called the Septuagint, which was translated, uh, the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek in 250 B.C., I believe it is, the word they used, because they translated the whole Hebrew into Greek. The word they used in Isaiah 7 verse 14 for virgin, they had to use a Greek word for it. Guess what they use? Parthenos. So everywhere you look, it's consistent. Jesus Christ was born of a young woman that was a virgin of marriageable age. And it was a miracle because he was born not just anybody, but the Son of God and the Son of Man. Whew. It made the devil squeal. He lost. He lost. If you read 1 John, it says there, this is the purpose. Son of, I'm, I'm quoting, I'm not, I'm not able to quote this exactly. It says, the, the purpose of the Son of God. You know, I quoted it better this, morning, this afternoon. 
Basically, it's saying that the purpose of Christ was to destroy the works of the devil. First John. I think it's chapter 3. His purpose. One purpose of Christ wasn't just to purchase our sins. That was a huge purpose. To be our substitute, to be our sacrifice. Uh, yeah. But isn't that another purpose? And that was, according to 1 John, destroy the works of the devil. Look at me. Look at me. The Son of God came up unable to be stopped by everything he could throw at him and raised his foot above the head of the old serpent and crushed his power over sin, crushed his power over man, crushed his accusing power, as it were. Glory to God, hallelujah. Now we can go to Jesus and claim, I want his righteousness, not my own. Father, help us. Thank you for the virgin birth of Christ. Thank you for the Bible. It's absolute exactness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.